above us, but you're also the lamb that we could not approach you without the blood of Christ. That we are not holy enough without him. And it is by him that we can come to you. Thank you for the opportunity to praise you this morning. May our song rise to you and may you be glorified. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. And those kids who are heading to reach kids can head out now. And we can get started. <coughs> All right, so last week, last week we talked about how grace <coughs> reigns. How grace reigns because we are in Jesus. That through Jesus, everything he has done has been applied to us. That the work of Christ has been given to us by his grace, and now that grace reigns in our lives. That grace reigns over our shame and our guilt. Grace reigns over the law. It reigns over our sin. It reigns over death. That grace reigns ever over every judgmental attitude that we have. Every criticism. Every, every critique of God. That grace reigns. It is nothing that we do. It is all about Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. I hope we got that out of last week's sermon. But, but, that gives us natural questions. Alright, so if it is all about nothing but grace, alright, what is the implication of that? Now, there are some people who I think are struggling with the gospel and they're not fully understanding it. And those people have a certain set of questions. And their questions are, well, but then, then what, about, what about the people? They're not going to be obedient. Or, but what am I supposed to do then? I, I have to do something. What am I supposed to do? Or you have the people, well, am I going to, what if I, what do I sin too much? Like that's, all those questions, those are the wrong questions. Those are the wrong concerns. That is not grace reigning. That is actually trying to, to kill grace with works and the law. And those questions aren't actually the right questions. But there are natural questions from talking about grace like this. And some people approached me after the service asking these questions. They said, well, like, well, in a sincere way, well, so I don't have to do anything. Like, what do I, what do, I do then? And... Wait, so like, what, what's the motivation for being obedient now? If it's not to, to attain anything, why are we fighting our sin? Why, what's the, what really is the heart behind obedience? Now, that's not a sinful, that's a good question. Because it shows that there's no remaining works. That you actually have understood that it's totally by grace. And the question is then, well, now what? What does God actually want me to do now? And that's actually the question that Paul has today. He's asking the question, well, okay, so, so you're saved by grace. Now what's our relationship to our battle with sin? Why do we battle sin? What's actually going on there? What's our motivation if it's not to seek salvation? And those are, those are the questions we're talking about today. And we're going to see three things that are going to guide us in, in answering that question. Paul's going to point us to, to the future. So what's the future hold because of grace? 
He's going to talk about our freedom because of grace. And he's talking about the, the fruit of grace. All right, so three things. Future, freedom, and fruit. Turn to Romans 6, and we're going to get into this. What's Romans 6? Romans 6. We're looking at the whole chapter. Hang in there. Long passage. All right, Romans 6. We just talked about how grace reigns. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Jesus Christ? We're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of his Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if you've died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are under the law? We are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you are committed. Having been set free from the sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you were once presented your members as slaves to impurity, to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now, present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you are slaves of sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Okay, super overwhelming. Uh, let's jump right into it. Two questions. The first question. Look at verse 1. What shall we say then? What shall we say after seeing the grace of Jesus, that grace reigns? 
Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? All right, this is a good question. Why is this a good question? It's a good question because the person who's asking that question is seeing the gospel and seeing the fact that every sin is destroyed by the grace of God. That every sin, that grace consumes and eats our sins and, and grows as a result of it. That with every sin that we commit, God is gracious. Grace upon grace upon grace. And they're seeing that and they're saying, well, how do we feed grace? We'll just, we'll just sin and, and feed this, this beautiful monster of grace and, and it'll grow. All right. What does Paul say to that? By no means. And we think, well, we'd be like, okay, so Paul, Paul explain why, why we can't do that. And we expect him to say something like, well, no, no, that's, that's cheap grace. That's cheating. That, no, no, if you, if you, sin, if you sin blatantly after you're a Christian, like, you're, there's, no, there's no grace for that. Paul does not say that. He does not say that because that's not good theology. That there's no such thing as cheap grace. There's only free grace, which is cheaper than cheap grace. It's free. It really is free. And we saw last week that as, as sin abounds, grace superabounds and destroys it. That we are covered by grace. Now, there's a reason we don't continue to sin, and he gives it to us. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? All right, so this is harkening back to last week. Remember we said that if you're in Adam, everything Adam did, you did. Well, if you're in Jesus, if your faith is in Jesus, everything Jesus did, you did. So you, you were on the cross. You died on the cross with Jesus Christ by faith. You already died for sin. That payment has been made. It's done. That's the fact of the gospel. That is why we can stand in grace. That's why grace reigns. All right. He's building on that fact. And then he goes on in verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Baptism is actually a picture of that dying with Christ and being on the cross. We baptized Remy last week. He either dies on his own accord or he dies with Christ on the cross. That's what baptism points to, one or the other. We were, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, the reason, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. All right, what's he getting at? He's basically pointing out the fact that why did you die on the cross with Jesus? So that you might be resurrected with Jesus. That's the point. So you might walk now as resurrected people in new life. That's the purpose. That's the goal. And so he's asking then, why, why would you go then kill yourself? Why would you want to commit sin just to die again? You've already died to it. You are alive now. 
You are free from that. Why would you go back? Why would we go back? Your life is not on a pathway of sin to sin to sin. Your life is on the path of life to life to more life. And he's saying, be who you are meant to be. Go on that path. That your life does not end in death. Your life ends in victory in Christ over sin. In freedom. In righteousness. That's where we're all headed. So we're moving towards life, not sin. And he gives a second reason why Jesus died. So we might be free from sin. Look at verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. We've been set free from sin. All right, so before, before we were in Adam. We were in Adam. We talked about that last week. And what we got from Adam was a death sentence. And actually, uh, slavery. We got the slavery of Adam. There's a lifelong sentence to slavery under Adam. To slavery to sin. And the only way you get out of a lifelong sentence of slavery to sin is you have to die. The only way you get out of it, and that's why we died with Christ. So we get out of slavery to sin, and we are now free. We are free from sin in Christ. And the question is, why would you, why would you put the shackles back on? Why do you want to be enslaved once again? Verse 8. Now that we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Which means that if we have died, we will not die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, so you are guaranteed to find future life. And you are actually guaranteed in Christ to have victory over sin. That we will stand in the new heavens and new earth and we will watch death itself be cast into the lake of fire. They will see sin glorified out of us. And we'll never have to deal with it ever again. That is the guarantee of Christ. And we're saying, okay, Paul, who cares? Why are you talking about this? He's telling us this because we need to know where we are going. I think too often we struggle with sin and we, we get really discouraged. That we fight the same sin day in and day out, over and over and over, and we fail and we fail and we fail, and we start to question. And we say, well, maybe God, maybe God isn't going to give me victory. Maybe that's not a promise. Maybe that's not the work that he's doing. And maybe I should just sin and, and let it happen and, 
just rely upon the grace of Jesus. It'll cover me. It's fine. The grace of God will cover you. But the purpose is, it's, you're not resigned to just sin and sin and sin. That you will have victory in the end. That Christ has promised it. That is, that is unshaking, that is unmovable. And then he tells us this. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. He's saying God, God guarantees you will have victory over sin. So go, go fight. Yeah, go fight those battles. Because the war has been won by Jesus. Are you going to get bloodied up along the way? Yes. But don't give up. Don't think that God is abandoning you to sin. And I recognize that we're in a community where there's addictions. That people are enslaved to sin. That we are enslaved to sin. And it can be really discouraging. Because we see practically, I, I don't see a lot of fruit in my life. And why do I keep fighting and fighting and fighting? Why doesn't God do anything? He is working. He's going to do it. Don't give up hope. Because, because, verse 14... For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law but under grace. If you are under law and your guarantee of a victory over sin were conditional and say, well, yeah, you'll be free of sin if you just obey the law and obey the law and obey the law, then we should throw in the towel. Because we're not going to do it and we're not going to be successful. But because we're under grace, we can fight sin because Jesus has already won. That's the point. Do you know where you're going? Do you know the path that you are on? If so, keep fighting sin because sin is going to lose. And don't give up. All right. Second point. Second question. Okay, so that, that's good. That's good. We like that. All right, good. Uh, I hope you like that. We like that? All right, good. I'm not even going to ask you because you have to. Um, all right, so sin, sin is not going to have a, its final victory. Jesus has already been victorious. But there's another question. Okay, so what's the motivation then? If I'm totally under grace, why am I fighting this sin? Who cares? That's, that's the next question. Verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. And then Paul's going to explain it. Once again, we expect him to say, well, uh, no, if you keep on sinning, Jesus is going to kick you to the curb. Jesus is going to leave you. Jesus only has tolerance for us as long as we're not deliberately sinning. No, no, not at all. Instead, he appeals to our freedom and the fruit of being free from sin. He says, do you want to be free? And do you want to have the blessings of freedom from sin? 
That's why. Look at 16. Do you not know that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? You are slaves to whatever you obey. That's Paul's reasoning here. All right, what does that mean? This means that we're slaves no matter what. If you ever obey anything, you are a slave to that thing. Now, we don't like that because we're Americans and we want to be free. And we're saying, we're like, well, no, I can be free. I can do whatever I want. I'm free to, to follow my heart. I'm free to do whatever I want. And Paul is, Paul is being the philosopher here. And he's stretching us and he's saying, well, if you're free to obey your wants and follow your heart and be true to your desires, you are a slave to your heart and to your wants and to your desires. That your heart is going to lead you where it wants. And the problem is that our heart and our desires and our, our wants can be enslaved to sin. And so we think we're doing exactly what we want when really we're being led by sin to death. Now, what, is that, what does that actually look like here? Um, to be a slave to sin. I jumped forward a little bit. All right. Look at the end of that verse, 16. You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. All right, so your wants and your heart and your loves are either enslaved to sin or they're obedient. The only two options. All right, so what does it look like to have our hearts enslaved to sin, leading to death? We can jump immediately to the things that, that are fairly obvious, the addictions. The addictions to sexual sin, the addictions to drugs, addictions to food. We're like, okay, I, I can see those ones. But there's more than that. We can be enslaved to, to our fears and our anxieties. That those things drive us. That they force us to act in one way or another. We can be slaves to, to people-pleasing and to performance and to the sense that you have to be perfect. That's slavery. We can be slaves to our own pride. Like, oh, I, I can never be wrong. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail that if you try to correct me, I'm going to destroy it. We're slaves to all these things. That to do what you want is just to give in to sin. And what we do when we do that is we, we just put on more shackles. We tie more knots around our wrists. We, we tighten the noose a little bit and we're closer and closer to death. Sin leads to death. All right, we can be, we can be pretty immature when it comes to sin. Um, and think that, that sin is just kind of this like, that God has made these rules, like we make rules in Monopoly, 
And he just kind of arbitrarily gives these rules and, and dispenses those rules like your sister did when she was the banker and she's the, <laughs> she's the letter of the law and like, no, you, you have to mortgage your property and all that stuff. Like, all right, that's not what God is doing with the law. And that's not why God tells us not to sin. They're not arbitrary rules. God hates sin because sin is death. And sin is poison. And because sin kills whatever it touches. Now we see that. I hope, I hope you see that. That you think you're getting what you want. You, you run after a sin and then afterwards, your joy and your happiness is dead. You think you're, you're going to have such a great time and afterwards you feel like trash. You feel dead inside. We shouldn't be surprised by that. That's what, that's what sin promised from the very beginning. That's what God said is don't be deceived. It is death. It kills our joys. It kills our relationships. So yeah, that, that snide remark or that angry look, that petty critique, it kills relationships. And we can feel it. We can feel it in our marriages. We can feel it with our kids. We can feel it with our friends. That as we are selfish, that relationship starts to break down. And that's, where, that's why sin is called sin. That's why it's not called mistakes. Um, if you spill milk, it's a mistake. It doesn't breed death. If you spill someone's blood, like, that's sin. Because it's killing, it's death. We're not flawed. We are sinners. And we are addicted to death. And that's why I don't want us to feel like, oh, I, I need to get sin out of my life because God says it's bad. No, it's because you don't want to be drinking poison every day. Like, we stop Remy. Like, Remy is not allowed to drink lighter fluid because it kills him. Not because, like, that's a rule, Remy. Like, no, you like, don't want him to die. And that's, that's our relationship with sin. He doesn't want us to die. And, and honestly, this is hard because we love sin. We do. I do. You do. And that's where, like, we have to fall out of love with sin. And we have to see through the lie and see that it is sin and that it's death, that it is poison. That's why we fight sin. Not because we're scared of God punishing us. Not because we're scared of... No, God is, God is fine with us. We have grace. We do it for our own joy now. To kill the sin that is killing us. And if we're, we're getting rid of sin, there's only really one other option. The other option is that we are slaves to obedience. All right, and there's, a, there's an intentional irony. Paul, Paul, is sort of like, Paul is saying it. This is hard to describe. So look at 17. Thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which we were committed and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And notice what Paul says here. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. 
For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. All right. So break it down. His, so your, your heart. Your heart and your loves and your wants can be ruled by sin or they can be ruled by obedience. <coughs> that you actually love righteousness. That you love obedience because you see that there is life in it. That for the joy of obedience you obey. Because you trust God and you actually like him and you trust that these are not rules. These are actually for your life and for your joy and for your protection. But there's something, there's something crazy in this verse. Verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to you were committed. That's not a, a past tense. That's not a possibility for us. He's saying, no, like, you are obedient from the heart. Now, what does that mean? It means that God, God has changed your heart if you are in Christ. But it also means that, that through Christ, your loves are changed. Because you've experienced the love of Christ. And so before, you didn't know that you loved mercy. You didn't, have, you didn't care about mercy. You don't care about giving good things to people who don't deserve it. But then Jesus gave you mercy, and you fell in love with mercy. And you're like, this is, this is really good. And this is what I want to do. Like, I see the life in it. That you see the grace of Jesus. And before you were super judgmental, and you felt like God was judging you and condemning you, and then you received mercy, and you're like, this is amazing. I love mercy. I want to give it to people. I see it as life. We can go on and on and on with all, all of these laws and see how Jesus has obeyed them for us. For you to change your heart towards them. That God is faithful. He's merciful. He's generous. He's patient with us that we might be too. We need to get to the point where we, we're not scared of God, but we want to be obedient because we just think sin is stupid. And it'd be foolishness to keep sinning because we don't want to die. And that's what he says in verse 20. When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Yeah, you were free. You didn't have to be righteous at all. Freedom from righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You can either be slaves to sin and free from righteousness and get death, or you can be slaves to righteousness and get life. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Now, the, the thing that Paul is saying, is it's, it's hard to describe this 
Because is it slavery? Yes. Are you allowed to do whatever you want to do? No, you're actually not. If you want to be free, and if you want to be slaves to obedience, if you want to have full life and, and full joy. And so it is, it is kind of restraining in that sense. But I'll give you a picture of it. It's like, it's like being sent to prison, but the prison is Disney World. <laughs> You're like, oh no, I'm sent to prison. And like, okay, like, yeah, just stay there and don't go anywhere. Like, okay, God, like, sorry. Like, and like, I know some of you hate Disneyland. So like, <laughs> Amy's giving me that look. No, I don't, don't, don't do hell. Um, <laughs> all right, so pick, pick where you want. Like the tropical island of Bali and you just kind of like hang out and you're like, just stay there and drink Mai Tais and like, <laughs> or, or you can like go and like go to the prison down the road and you can go there, but like, why would you want to? That is the Christian life. That is freedom from sin. That is the joy of obedience. That's what, that's what we're actually doing here. And that's what we're presenting to other people. People, they only see the, the oh, I don't want to be slaves to righteousness. Like, you're, you're a slave to life and to joy and to mercy and, and love. Those are good things. That's what we're presenting to people. And thank God that it's not about us. Verse 23 reminds us and takes us back. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We come to this because we have a free gift. That Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, he, he perished and he actually died let him, she showed us what sin does. Sin kills you. And pleads that we would not go back to it, that we would live the resurrection life. He has this promise. He says, I came that I might give you life abundant. Life abundant. That's why we battle sin. That's why we're moving towards, towards life, not sin. And we may have abundant life and eternal life. It's guaranteed through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we, we thank you that Paul did not tell us what we expected him to say. That he didn't say, no, you have to stop sinning because otherwise I'll abandon you. But Father, you, you said that that grace has won and that grace reigns and grace has defeated all sin and that we are on the pathway to glory and to eternal life and that we have a chance to live abundant life here and now. Father, I ask that you would change our perspective of sin. Change our hearts that we might not love it. Free us from our love of sin Give us eyes to see what it really is. And see us, uh, give us eyes to see how glorious and beautiful Jesus Christ is. That we may know what obedience looks like. 
because Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law for us and to us that he has loved us and taught us what love is. Thank you, Father. We are overwhelmed by the glories of your grace. May we live in it. And may we have this life of joy that you have promised. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.